0: welcome to one penny at a time i'm your host harris elliott uh today's episode uh third guest on the podcast first time i have one of my friends on here so i'm pretty excited for that everybody want you to meet all the way from florida my good friend fernando how are you doing fern
1: hey what's up harris it's pretty cool to be here uh super interested in the topic so ready to get going
0: nine percent thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast today before we go over some questions here i are going to give the viewers here a little bit of insight something not stock related but i'm gonna go over here how we met so i actually met fernando about three three and a half years ago i used to uh we were in a fantasy football league together and he's the commissioner his co-commissioner a good friend of ours named ruben i used to work with him at a previous job and he hit me up saying hey one of our people just randomly bailed, Do you want to join this league? I'll pay your entry fee because the team's not good. It's like, ah, eh, why not? And three and a half years later, we've been playing fantasy football and uh, enjoying wrestling together. So, kind of going off the wrestling topic here, we're big wrestling fans. And uh, there's this big wrestler in WWE named Roman Reigns who has this big catchphrase, this called Acknowledge Me. And then everybody starts booing at him because he wants everybody to acknowledge his greatness. I'm going to acknowledge Fernando because we played fantasy football last week and he literally kicked my butt so hard and Fernando I acknowledge your greatness unfortunately
1: it's it's well received well received and I I would say like kicked your butt is kind of like weak if anything it was mopped the floor with you uh so let's let's be honest out here come on
0: it was my worst loss in, <laughs> in the season. All my other losses are really close. This one was really bad though. So Fern, I acknowledge you. I, uh,
1: I, I, I spoke to my players. I let them know, save the best for this week after this is all
0: downhill. So there you go. So, uh, <laughs> uh fern and something i know we've kind of talked about obviously we didn't really get to this topic a lot until recently when we got really close after we met up when we went to wrestlemania i started mm-hmm. figuring out how much you've been into like stocks and investing and all that and you know the goal with this podcast is i love to document how everyday people like you and me have normal jobs can be successful at this and you know make something, you know, really fruitful for whenever the future you is coming in. So kind of want to talk about that. Tell me about your background. Um, Tell me about your career. You know, what do you do?
1: Yeah, so uh, background has kind of been varied. I've I've generally been in the support field in one way or or another. You know, I've worked at Lexus before. I've worked at J.P. Morgan. Actually, that's how I met Ruben uh, was when I worked there. And now I am in tech. So I work for a web company who specializes in software for uh, e-commerce. And I work on developing the support, pa- excuse me, support platform for uh, the, the actual product. So things like documentation, things like um, processes and making them more efficient uh, is what I am primarily focused on right now. But I've always had a interest in the tech, field like actually uh when i was 16 years old i actually used uh wordpress to build like a first website and then i sold like i made it a kind of like a little bit of a job to build sites for other people and that's how i started uh kind of in web development uh very lightly but that's you know going back a number of years now and I think because of that like tech shift, I've always been super interested in how to leverage that tech to get more research on companies that I'm interested in investing in uh, you know different ways to uh, leverage that knowledge and technology into more information and more content that I can then make better decisions on investing with
0: no that's awesome Fern and you said it's it's amazing how a career change for you really kind of spiked this whole nother side of like interest and things you want to do. Um, I I know you said you were talking about building websites when you were a teenager. Were you into investing at that time or is that something that came on like later, later on in life? That I've always
1: had some form of an interest in investing. Um, When I was little, man, maybe like 12, 13 years old. um, I used to go to work with my dad. He owned a grocery store. And he has always been interested in the markets. I mean, he 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 used to read like the Wall Street Journal on a daily basis because back then, <laughs> if you wanted to learn like how tickers are doing and how the market's doing and stuff like that, there was no internet you can jump onto. You had to get the Wall Street uh, the Wall Street Journal and then go through all the tickers and stuff, performance and and all of that. So. What I would actually do was I didn't understand what any of it was, but I would there was nothing else to do. I was just sitting around. So I would actually read it and like look through the tickers and like look at all the percentages and stuff like that. And I would track like in my mind like, oh, this company is doing, you know, 3% up today on Friday. It's up a total of 7%. Like what happened? Like what was the journey for getting there? So like since I was 13, I was always interested in that stuff, but it wasn't until I was 18 years old that I started actually investing because I had a job, add some extra money I can put into uh, into the market. So yeah, since 18, um, I've been buying stocks and that's never really stopped. Uh, if anything, now it's gotten a little bit more varied and jumping into different uh, asset classes and things of that nature.
0: Well, that's amazing. So you actually started really early with your, like your investing career and your dividend journey, which is something that I'll be the first one to say I wish I had that mentality when I was yeah. eighteen years old. I was looking for where can I get the cheapest six pack. I kind of <laughs> wish I had that mentality when I was younger. But you know, it's never too it's never too late to start. It's never too early no. to start. So it's really amazing that you had a really good foundation growing up and coming up with that. So let's go ahead here and kind of talk about you know your portfolios. Do you have a mix of it in like um, like taxable accounts and Roths? Like how do you have it like all diversified in?
1: Yeah, great question. So I right now I'm, I'm split a little bit. So I have a taxable that is mainly for uh, index funds. Um, and then I have a Roth, which I just have like VTI in there and I just throw in money um, on a yearly basis to max that out. And then I have like a Robinhood account, which is what I use for like singular stocks and options and Yeah, that's basically like my portfolio um, as far as like how it's split up. But I do have more of a like portion of each of those portfolios that is primarily dividend focused. So like I have an ETF, a dividend ETF in my taxable. I have some stocks, um, some dividend stocks in my Robinhood. So it's kind of split up a little bit. Um, And each of them just has its own like job that I kind of assign it. So Right now, I'm definitely focused on singular stocks a little bit more and building positions in those.
0: No, got you. And then uh, before we talk about your singular stocks there, I know you said you had VTI in your Roth. Yeah. For your do your Roth, do you just keep it simple? VTI, that's it? Just track the market, make it simple on you?
1: Yeah, exactly. I just have VTI. I used to do like a VTI international and bond split, um, but I still, I felt like I had a lot more time left before I started to need like needing funds in those in those directions. So I just split it to VTI. It's definitely U.S. focused right now, but um, I'm just building up that position. And then I will start slowly transitioning to like a more of a split once I think things are at a like comfortable level in the markets. So I think right now
0: it's not it's not at that place for me. No, understandable. And I know VTI is, you know, it's pretty down this year. So I feel like right now it's a great time. Like how you're talking about trying to build out shares. It's a pretty good time to really be putting money into, you know, a lot of indexes and a lot of ETFs right now, especially they've been taking some hitting there. So back to your singular stocks, um, what are some positions that you're looking to build out for the long term? So a big
1: one is Apple. I never really got into into Apple as a stock just because I think the performance is not at my risk appetite like right now. I think I think mm-hmm. Apple's always going to be a balanced stock. It's always going to have a good foundation in any portfolio, but I want to build it up just because I think it's a very safe stock. It's also like a really good dividend paying stock. And uh, that's kind of where my focus is. Microsoft is another one that I'm pretty like under right now in terms of where I would want to be. And so I'm building that up a little bit more but my biggest position is definitely Tesla. Uh, it's not a dividend payer, but that's a company that I see as like in the same vein that I have certain assets in other areas that I I'm, I'm like really pounding into, getting my positions up higher and higher. Like Tesla's one of those that I think has such a bright future that I'm just banking on that being a really good producer of um just like gains on a on a. Far out basis. It's very long term on that in that regard. So those are the kind of the three that I'm focusing on right now. Tesla being the higher of the of the other two, but um trying to get more Apple and Microsoft just because those are companies that are always going to be around.
0: No, for sure. And obviously, I know a big thing with like Microsoft and Apple. People always think about. The hardware and the software but they're literally some of the largest subscription-based companies in the exactly. world and, and the money they make from that and the profit margin in that is huge Yep. now i gotta go into tesla for a second here um i know since i've been following the market i'm um, i think i got into around 2018 2019 closer to 2019 but 2018 i know uh, tesla's been through uh, multiple stock splits have you been have you been able to do all the stock splits and enjoy the benefits from that so far
1: yeah i've actually i think i have layers in each of those stock splits um this past one was was the highest one that i've had to convert uh existing stock into the split so uh, i've definitely benefited from that because of the fact that i've actually started getting into options and selling covered calls and things of that nature like the stock splits have helped me get there quicker just because the price before was, was a little bit higher. So I'm continually buying in, um, every so often to get new shares. But now that I have some, some specific stock that I'm using for the options, like I'm using the, those funds to just build into the position a little bit faster. So, uh, yeah, I, I think, and and I've heard they're also thinking about doing stock buybacks some point in 2023 which can help with price as well so there's a lot going on in that um i think some maybe more negative sentiment now but for me it's like a company that i'm just going to hold for at minimum three years and then figure out what i do there
0: no for sure and i saw this earlier i think this is from their quarter two earnings where elon mentioned that they're considering even factoring a dividend somehow so mm-hmm. i mean if they were to do that, let's say like a couple years from now, cause I think right now they're really are focused on getting the growth, but yeah, you know what? let's say, for example, they start off at like anything less than a 1% yield and then kind of go from there, then that's, just going to be extra money for you, especially with your position. So it's like, Oh, I never expected to get a dividend. Now it's just a bonus at this point.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like I kind of, if I'm being honest, don't want a dividend because, uh, it, it makes uh, option selling like a little bit more difficult. Because you have you do have the time when dividends are, uh, paid out and stuff like that, and it changes the stock price. But like, that would be a situation where I probably would just stop selling options on it, uh, entirely and just wait for the dividend to come in. Uh, but I would like them to really build out the factories more, get the supply line like set. Make sure all of that is settled before they start getting into dividends. Uh, Just because right now their revenue can be a little bit volatile depending on circumstances like what's going on in China and and in Germany now. So they have uh, some things to work through, but that would be fantastic. Like if if they nail everything that they have set out to nail, which is, uh, you know, not always Elon's strong suit. But uh, if they do, like I think that that is a company that is just going to... Their their ma- their their revenue gain is going to be massive. So, looking forward to see what happens with them.
0: No, absolutely, Fernando. And I know, like I said, you're pretty tech heavy. Um, what are some stocks yeah. that are not that? <laughs> what are some stocks that you have that are maybe not necessarily tech related that you're really big into?
1: Um, Costco. I have a lot of Costco stock. Um, I think. I, I mean, I just lo- generally love Costco as a brand. Um, but as a company, they're just their fundamentals are phenomenal like i think they had a store in china that opened i think it was last year but they their members at that one store like i want to say upwards of a hundred thousand or more like they just they know how to take uh like you said before with microsoft and apple subscriptions are such a great money maker for a business and if you have someone that's just continually paying for subscriptions that's just money that's always flowing in. Costco has like a great retail experience and they also have the added benefit of like, you need a membership to shop there. So I think that's another company that uh, I haven't been like building into recently, but I have a a good number of shares that I just like keep on the side.
0: No, 100%. Obviously I know that Costco, it's one of the best run businesses and their retention rate on their subscriptions is like 90% the last time I read. So it's the value of Costco Myself as a customer is, I'm. Sometimes I go to Costco just to go eat the hot dog, drink combo, <laughs> or get the pizza. But I go there and I go, okay, let me see what kind of new things they bring. And I leave with things yes. that I wasn't planning for. It's like oh, Costco got me again with the with the lost leader. So for those who don't know, uh, Costco has this big thing where they actually lose a lot of money on the rotisserie chicken and on their unlike on their food court area. People come in for that. They leave with other things. It's a really good thing in the business. And with Costco, they purposely put the chickens in the back. That way you have to walk the store and look around. So if you're disciplined, you grab the chicken and leave. It's They're not expecting people to do that. And you know, you go there, it's like, ooh, look at this. And you're going to leave with a couple items. That's why they purposely put the chickens in the back of the of, of the warehouse. Yeah. But Costco is amazing. Um,
1: and I they're personally... constantly changing the layout too. Uh, yes. So, like, you kind of forget, like, where things are. It forces you to have to walk through multiple aisles. And, like, at first, I didn't understand that. Like, I was like, why are you always changing things? But now, like, as a like someone that's been there a couple times, I'm like, oh, this makes perfect sense. Because they're just wanting people to shop around, lose themselves, and then find out, oh, this is now on sale for 20% off or whatever the case. And now I'm going to buy it. So, yes. it's – they just have such a good – like their their setup and their processes and and the way they set up new stores is just like they just have it down and so that's why yeah. that's a that's a stock i don't foresee myself ever selling just because the dividends are so consistent and uh good
0: uh no for all sure the time. no for sure and a big thing with costco is that they treat their employees really good so they have yes. all these other good foundations. If you've ever had to return something to Costco, I personally have never. It's a no question asked policy. They literally know how to make people happy, and that's what's mm-hmm. really good about mm-hmm. it. And with Costco's dividend, it's very low yielding right now, but they have so much room to grow that dividend over the next 20-25 yeah. years. And you know, I know that the 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 evaluation on Costco, it's a little bit of a higher stock as far as like what the PE ratio is, but you buy into that for that business and exactly. you, know, you, pay, you pay the premium for that. So uh, I agree with Costco. Um, anything else that you have that you like that's not necessarily in tech?
1: Um, I do like... I, I haven't sold any th- and I haven't like looked into it recently. So I don't know the financials necessarily off the top of my head. But I did have a small Verizon position uh, because I think... You know, they're top of the class in terms of mobile in the States. Um, I think the the one thing with them is like their prices are comparatively like higher than other providers, you know, like T-Mobile and stuff like that. But the quality that you get for the price is generally mm-hmm. pretty high as well. So like in that's in that area, I kind of bought into Verizon a little bit. Uh, I just haven't gone back into that. Sector and like kind of like looked at things or or balanced out other up and coming companies. So, Verizon probably be the only other one that I've really like dived into in that space.
0: No, for sure. And I know like honestly, everybody in the telecom sector except for T-Mobile. T-Mobile is the one that actually killed it as far as like a price yeah. gain this year. But, AT and T, Verizon have gotten whooped really hard in the market. Mm-hmm. So I think their dividend yields are like really high right now from how much everything's dropped. Yeah, so- AT and T specifically. Yeah, actually, uh, this week they had really good earnings where it's the first time and I don't know how long that they've had any good news. Um, I got like a 9 to 10% gain on that just from the wow. earnings. So it's like the first time that they've had any kind of momentum because they've had so much negative things in the last five to six years. But yeah, I mean, for, for yourself with like Verizon, if you already have that in there and you believe in that company, it's like the great time to like get more shares for cheaper and build out you know, your position and, you know, as the stock picks back up, then, you know, your yield on cost is going to go up a lot. So you're going to get technically a higher yield. So I think that's a really good thing to focus on if that's a position you really believe in.
1: Yeah, there there are some positions like Costco and, and Verizon that I made pretty good one-time um, investments in, and then the dividends have just been collecting on top of that investment. So I just kind of set them and forget it. Um, Like I said before, my mentality on my investments was largely like, okay, I'm buying this. I'm going to hold it for a number of years, figure out what happens uh, and or longer term than that. Whereas now it's it's a little bit different. Like I'm going to take profits a little bit more if I'm able to do so. And so that changes my mentality a little bit when I'm investing uh, nowadays. But, you know, I think if you have some staples, you're set.
0: No, for sure. And when. I'm actually going to ask a follow-up question to that. So you said about taking profits and the profits. Are you using that to then maybe buy another company that's undervalued in your opinion to get more share of that? What's your strategy when you like take out the profits out out of a certain holding?
1: Yeah. So what I typically will do is I will hold... If I sell anything for profit, I'll hold it on the side until I figure out a game plan for what I'm going to be doing for that. And then I generally will like... Stick to that game plan no matter what. Recently, that game plan has been like, I want to have as many Tesla shares as I can while the price is uh, lower than I believe it should be. And Mm -hmm. so I'm at at a point now where even if the price does drop before or, you know, when I buy in initially, like I'm okay with that because I'm more interested in the number of shares rather than the actual amount. Luckily, like I've been buying on the way down a little bit, not as much because I kind of like have levels that I wait until, but Mm -hmm. that's what I'm doing right now with all profit taking is keeping some on the side for like big buys if I need to make them, but everything else is basically going into Tesla. And then I have like a tier below that, that I take, if I think Tesla is not at a good value on that particular day, I'll take it to Microsoft and Apple. And I kind of split them both in that in that area.
0: No, that's awesome. And that's really a, it's a smart strategy and, you know, definitely something where you it's, you're obviously more of a growth investor. And that's kind of like some of the advantages you have where it's like, you know, like myself, I'm I'm a big holder of like I need a dividend that's just my investment strategy yeah. but the great thing about this is, is that there's no rules for this. Everybody has what's particular to their lifestyle and their needs and that's what's amazing about this it's like n- you should never copy somebody else because they're doing it. It's you're doing this mm-hmm. based off your own research and what's best for you and that's what's, that's ultimately what this is all about.
1: Yeah. And I think dividends, too, are just such a great tool that you can even utilize, even if someone like me who has like a specific time horizon that I'm looking at and I kind of gravitate towards those stocks that fit within that time horizon. Like I use dividend stocks to help propel those positions, even if they're not going towards another dividend stock Uh, like Costco pays me dividends all the time. I then put that right back into Costco or I can take some of that money move it towards Tesla. So like it gives you that regular income that you can kind of count towards um, whenever it comes. And for me, I've never been an investor that like only is in a specific area, like only index investing or only dividends or only growth stocks. I'm not that person. I just have my own like investing strategy and whatever I can fit into each of those little areas is what I do
0: no awesome i i definitely appreciate that there so i'm gonna ask you some other questions here with stocks um i know like certain people where um like people may be against what they call sin stocks or like the altria's mm-hmm. or the philip morris's where they're not into tobacco personally myself i would never invest in airlines or anything with travel because the profit mm-hmm. margins are so small and mm-hmm. it's just something i can't get into do you have like any particular like sector or any type of business that you will not invest in, whether it's really profitable or not, it's just something that you cannot get into.
1: Uh I don't really have hard and fast rules like that. Like I I know some people also who won't invest in, you know, uh tobacco companies or or Mm -hmm. companies that they they don't believe are, are good and just uh I'm I'm like very emotionless when I'm when I come to investing. If it makes sense, I'll invest in it. Um Saying that, like, I probably won't ever invest in a tobacco company just because I don't smoke um, cigarettes or anything like that. Like, if I don't know too much about the product, I probably won't invest in it. Um, But if it makes sense from from, you know, and it fits my investing like strategy at that time, I have no problems doing it. Uh, Saying all of that, I probably will say like the one thing that or one category of stocks that I don't ever touch And and some of that is, like, fear-based, I guess you can say. But, uh, like, meme stocks, like, AMC and GME, like, they don't make sense to me. Like, their valuations are just so much higher than what their business is actually, like, providing. So, like, in that case, I won't invest in them because I just don't think that they're fundamentally sound investments.
0: So that's probably the one area I would say. Okay. Yeah, I understand. I mean, I know that when the whole GameStop stuff was happening... Um, I had a friend of mine who had never gotten into the market and he was hitting me up because he knew and I'm like saying, Hey, have you seen what's happening on Reddit? And I am actually not on Reddit. I don't keep up with mm. any of that. And I'm like saying, mm-hmm. no, what are you talking about? Well, I put 500 bucks in the GameStop and he put it before the big boom. Cause he's so into nice. Reddit. Yeah. The, 500, the 500 turned into 4,500 and I was telling him sell, sell, yeah. sell, sell, sell this is on a Thursday when it got to the highest. And then he's like, "No, I'm gonna wait it out." I was like, "Dude, take the profit." He still sold for a profit, but instead of like forty five hundred, was to two grand. I was like, "I told you to take it out." Yeah. Like, what you're doing is not investing; it's literally gambling. It's gambling, yeah.
1: But do you do you remember when I told you to sell a specific something?
0: Yes. Um, the <laughs> the, the uh, that's that's one we'll kind of head into your final we'll question touch on later. That.
1: But that's yeah. also like one reason why. I don't invest in those because you always uh, even if you're not like subconsciously aware of it or consciously aware of it, I guess you always want to have like a little bit more. You always want to think like, oh, what if it goes up to 200 and and I sell it at 150? Like I'm going to miss out on all that stuff, What you fail to realize sometimes is like it might not ever touch 200. It might 150 might be the top. So like you have to figure out, are you good with this amount of profit you're going to be getting? And in most cases, like you should be good with it because it's probably going to drop and never go back. So that's that's one thing for me. I don't want to get in that mindset um, too often. So I, I just stay away from those. Uh, if they're not fundamentally sound, I probably won't
0: touch them. No, for sure. I'm um, going to ask you uh, one last question here about a single stock. And then over here, I'm going to go to like a bonus question. So, mm-hmm. what is the biggest loss or like the biggest? a messed up moment they have ever had investing?
1: Oh. Um. There was a, an option. It was when I first started learning options, but I, I did an option play on uh, Tesla and I almost lost a hundred shares of it. Uh, not necessarily lost. I would have gotten the money, but it would have been at a like, a higher loss because it was actually lower than what my cost basis was by a, a fair amount. And that was like a case of, I did it. I was like, okay, I'm good. I got a little bit of income with the premium. I can use that to buy like a couple other stocks. And then the price just started tanking and tanking. And I was like, I might lose uh, this, these shares. And I didn't thankfully, but like that kind of helped me change my perspective on like, taking more of a longer term approach with how I want to get, like my focus was just like, I just want to make money now, 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 now. Uh, but I didn't think about all of the different things that may come of it. So that's shaped how I think about investing now. If if it's not something I'm going to be willing to hold for a few months, I kind of uh,
0: take a wait and see approach. No, for sure. Um, if you can give somebody, um, you know, the big thing on this podcast is we have a lot of people who are just getting into this and learning it. What's the one tip you can tell somebody who may not have a lot of money or doesn't have a lot of knowledge in the market? You as an investor, you've been you've been in it for a while. What's like a one tip you can give them to help them maybe start off the foundation for their journey?
1: Yeah, great question. I think it's, it's said a lot um, in this space, but I think research is paramount. And I think what you want to do as someone starting out is research one to three companies that you're super interested in you know their products you know their ins and outs of the business and then focus solely on those couple companies because you want to learn how to read quarterly earnings you want to learn how to read like cash balances on their balance sheet and figure out like how they're doing not just like in the next month but in the next couple months are they opening new stores things of that nature and i think it you spread yourself too thin and you start researching 10 to 20 companies, you kind of miss some details that are important in your investing strategy. Right. So I for me, like what I did was I'm heavily in the, the tech uh, industry, like I work in a tech industry company, and those are generally the companies that I kind of like think about when I'm investing. But I only focus on like a couple and then I really make sure that I have those down packed before I add another one to that plate. That's probably what I'd say is like research, utilize. There's so many free resources out there. Like, honestly, YouTube is one of the best free pieces of like um, investing research you can, like, that are available to you. Um, I use like Yahoo Finance a lot, Bloomberg, stuff like that. So there's just a lot of free options out there. You don't have to really pay for anything. Uh, just keep your research like, uh, set on a couple options and then you're good from there.
0: No, for sure. I think that's really a good idea. And it's kind of interesting how you put it through, um, from like a trend that I see people do a lot and I'm guilty of this in the beginning of it. When I, you know, when I, when I started years ago, I'd see like, you know, certain people talk about these socks and I'd start, Oh, that'd be cool to add but I think starting off small, build those out. And when, and I think that's a really good strategy and you can kind of go off of that. And let's say, for example, you want to start, but you're not comfortable with companies yet. Maybe start off with an index fund to start off and then start finding those companies that you want and learn and watch the patterns for like six months. And like I said, learn how to read the report. So I think that's a really good tip for a new investor for sure.
1: Yeah. And, 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 for me, I know when I started like uh, my dividend investing journey, I would often like just buy companies that had high yields and I would never realize like one of them that had a dividend cut until maybe like a couple months down the road. And then I was like, oh, why is this 3% when it was like 4.5%, you know, before you know. trap. Exactly. And it's, it, it, that was a situation where I was just spread so far out that I never, or spread too thin that I never realize those like small little details so that's why i say focus on a couple first and then as you have that down packed spread that out and start adding you know one or two companies to that list or just go into the etf realm but like i know some people some people might be like me where it's like i have my index funds but then i'm like oh i got that itch where i really want to research a specific company and that's where you know that's why i have my singular stock uh, portfolio as well
0: No, great question here. Let's go to this bonus question. Um, On this channel, I don't talk about crypto. It's not my cup of tea and it's not something I'm trying to teach, but I think it's important to ask this question because there's still always people who are always asking questions about it. I know you're really, really well versed in the space. I want to get your opinion on the current crypto market and where do you feel like it's going to be heading with one of how volatile it's been the last year and with all these uh, changes that Congress and the government is talking about.
1: For sure. Like, I think I think crypto is in an interesting space. I think there is a lot of top layer details that muddy everything else up under it. Like, I think for one of the big reasons why I'm so interested in crypto is because I, I'm a big believer in the technology itself, right? Like, not mm. necessarily... Uh, you know, monkey JPEGs and, and NFTs and things of that nature, but just the technology on how banks could utilize a blockchain to transfer large amounts of money in a quicker time frame than they can now. Things like that. And I think when regulation is ultimately introduced, I do think the space will benefit from it, as long as it's being done by people that are knowledgeable of the space. And I I do know that there are some knowledgeable people in Congress, so I'm uh, reluctantly optimistic about it. Uh, But I do think that crypto does need regulation, because right now there are a lot of ways that you can get caught up in scams. uh, Just like, you know, fake messages being sent out and, and things of that nature. But I also don't think that that's like specific to crypto. Like, I think we've all received spam phone calls and text messages and things like that like we're not going to outlaw phone calls because a spammer could come in and like ask you to fix your internet i don't you know like there's just scammers just go wherever the money is and right now i think that's crypto but uh to answer your question i do think regulation is important and i'm looking forward to that just to legitimize the space a little bit more but i'm
0: more so interested in seeing
1: how technology advances from here
0: no, for sure. And what is your opinion on as far as the, with a lot of the brokerages with, you know, locking out people out of their money. And now that's been a big topic this year in crypto. I feel like uh, I said, I don't know much about it. It's not my cup of tea, but I know that's been like the big talk this year is like people trying to get, how do I, how the heck do I get my money back? Which is like the big thing with like stocks. It's like, that mm-hmm. doesn't really happen. So yeah. what's your opinion on like all like the Voyagers and like those type of brokerages? Yeah, see,
1: those are interesting because one of the benefits of crypto is it's all transparent or at least it can be transparent, right? Like if I am following a singular wallet and I want to know what transactions they're doing, I can look that wallet up and, and know how much money is in there, where they were drawing or depositing funds to. Uh, all of that information is, is available available publicly. What happens with like Voyager and Celsius and things of that nature is they were doing moves that were not public. They were doing them in the background, just like a traditional finance company would. Right. We don't know everything that's going on behind the scenes with JP Morgan and Wells Fargo and stuff like that. Uh, so in that case, being on the blockchain would have actually been better because of the fact that we would have seen that they just did not have liquidity to pay people out. Uh, and that's what happened with Voyager. So in my opinion, like, I think it ultimately is a good thing that this happened. It hurt the space a lot, but I think it's a good thing because it showed us that there are these companies that are just doing things behind the scenes that are hurting us as investors and customers. Whereas if we have companies that are transparent and they show what's going on with any deposits that are currently uh, being done towards that platform then we have more of an idea on what we need to do in advance of that stuff. We might not have been locked out of our funds if we knew what was going on. Right. So I think that's where regulation will come in. I think there'll be more rules about that stuff. um, And we'll see what happens. I know a lot of companies are moving a bit more towards like the blockchain and and using that as a way to verify funds and trans transmit funds. So, Uh, You know, I think ultimately it's going to be a good thing and it it is going to take a lot of time, though. I think I think some people are expecting crypto to take on like within the next one to two years, like really go mainstream. I think it's going to be at least three to four or five years before that happens, because it's such a complex space. Even me who spends, you know, a good amount of time on a daily basis being in that space, like there are some things I'm even confused about. So. It's
0: going to take time. No, for sure. And to close out this uh, this episode today, I know you, you kind of said earlier about that time you didn't sell. I'm mm. going to explain really quickly a quick story of mine of the only time I did crypto. Luckily, I was successful at it still. <laughs> you were. But um, back last year before this stupid Shiba Inu coin blew up, when it became public on Coinbase, I saw this and my investment strategy and my thought process this was, oh, look, another stupid dog coin. I'm going to put a hundred bucks into this and see if it blows up. That was my analysis on it. That 100 got to like 1300 and I had no idea what to do. So I was hitting up Fernando and Fernando was like, you need to take money out. And I was treating it like a stock. And that was my big mistake. Also, what I hated about it was at night, I would wake up and open my phone to see where mm. the price was at. Cause I would, you got yeah. so emotional to it. End yeah. of the story. I still sold it instead of a 1300% gain, 500% gain. Hey, not a bad day. It's still great. But if I would have taken your advice on it, I would have done better. So that's kind of the story that Fernando alluded to <laughs> on there earlier. Um, you know, it's it's that's why I cannot do that. It's too it's emotional. Tough, right.
1: And it's also because uh, crypto is 24 seven. There's no off switch. Right. There's no markets done for the day. Let's plan for tomorrow. And so it's it's tough in those situations because you think it, it could always explode even more. But I think the longer one thing that crypto has has taught me that I can apply towards stocks is you can see what the signs are before. Uh, the excitement starts to wane a little bit. You can see when volume is, is starting to lessen and when like sentiment is changing because everything is just visible towards you with stocks that can be a little bit more difficult, but it has transferred a little bit more for me uh, towards stocks because now I can kind of pinpoint like why is this stock up 10% like what is the reasoning for this like Tesla went through recently. A, a situation where the market was just like not great very flat or down but tesla was just like spiking 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 up and and to me it didn't make sense so like when you look at when you look into it a little bit more you get to see like what are those reasons why this particular thing is happening and i, I will say like crypto has helped me with that but i still stay away from like the doges and the sheebs and all that stuff
0: for sure, Fernando. Um, you know we've been t- we, we, we've been talking about doing this since before I started the yeah. podcast. I remember, and I'm gr- grateful was able to have you on this episode. I'm excited for everybody in our football league to uh, take a listen to this. Shout out the boss league. I still got to shout him out, uh, Fernando. Thank you so much for joining the One Penny at a Time podcast. Um, always appreciate talking to you. And you know, it's I think this is a great session. And you know, I I'm gonna say this. This is probably the only time we'll allow crypto in the channel but other than that's that you're, fine you're, you're gonna keep that title where you're the only person i can be about i can it. be
1: continue. i can come back a couple months down the road and and, and have an update on that if if, if the space is still alive right
0: hey you never know yeah. fernando again uh, thank you so much and as i always close out with every episode doesn't matter whether you're paying off debt saving for the future investing in you you'll reach your goal one penny at a time fernando you got to close it out here
1: It was a pleasure, Harris. Uh, Keep up the good work. Uh, It's so cool to have someone that's like starting from this perspective of anyone can do this because I do think anyone can do it. And just looking forward to more episodes.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Fernando. Talk to you later. All right. See you, Harris.